Hi, this is Dan Marino. The good folks at Diabolical Podcast have kidnapped me and are demanding I tell you that the following show contains spoilers for the movie Ace Ventura Pet Detective. If you haven't seen it, consider watching it. It's a real touchdown. Welcome to Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Craig Morris, and this week's movie is Ace Ventura Pet Detective. So, park yourself like a glove, and let's get diabolical. As ever, I'm joined by our panel of peril. Please introduce yourselves and tell us, what's your favourite Jim Carrey film? Hello. Uh, oh, my favourite Jim Carrey film is A Liar Liar. I don't believe you. Well, it is, so you just have to get over it. It is a good one. It is a good one. Uh, yeah. Ben? I do love it. Yeah, I'm Ben Stanson, and my favourite Jim Carrey film is Man on the Moon. Ah, yeah, good choice. Mm. And Gareth? I'm Gareth Slade, and my favourite Jim Carrey film is The Truman Show. Ah, that is also my favourite Jim Carrey film. We watch it at least once a year in our household, uh, and it never gets old. Say what else is good, actually, talking about once a year. Every Christmas we watch uh, Lemony Snicket. That's another good one. Yeah, yeah, that is really good. That is a good one. Well, I assumed that Gareth would pick The Truman Show, and therefore I'm going to say, for the purposes of I hope more people watch it, that my favourite Jim Carrey film uh, is The Majestic, which I think is a, a really nice movie. Later, they'll be competing for the title of this week's Most Diabolical. But first, let's take a closer look at this week's movie, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Released in 1994, Ace Ventura Pet Detective was the launchpad vehicle for Jim Carrey's big screen career, following some notable lesser roles in such cult classics as Earth Girls Are Easy and The Deadpool, which has nothing to do with the Marvel character, it's a Clint Eastwood slash Dirty Harry movie. 1994 was a mind-bogglingly huge year for cinema, not least for Carrie, who also showed up in both The Mask and Dumb and Dumber later that same year. Other notable releases of 1994 include Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, and the motherfucking Shawshank Redemption. In world events, Bill Clinton and Boris Yeltsin took a step towards world peace by signing the Kremlin Accords. Nelson Mandela was sworn in as South Africa's first black president. O.J. Simpson went for a long drive in his white Bronco. Sony released the first PlayStation console in Japan. Schindler's List swept the board at the Oscars with seven wins, including Best Picture and Best Director for Steven Spielberg. And, continuing our theme of sporting mishaps, American ice skater Nancy Kerrigan was attacked by Tonya Harding's bodyguard. Ace Ventura was star Jim Carrey's breakthrough role, helping propel him to being the highest paid star in movies mere years later, collaring $20 million to star in notorious flop The Cable Guy. The film also starred Courtney Cox, another rising star who would go on to a lead role in a show named Friends later that same year. Director Tom Shadyak would go on to helm such notable fare as The Nutty Professor, Liar Liar and Bruce Almighty. Ace would gross $107 million worldwide at the box office, making it Carrie's third highest grossing film behind The Mask and Dumb and Dumber. 
Ace Ventura Pet Detective follows the eponymous protagonist as he runs rings around the combative and often dismissive Miami Police Department to conduct his own private investigation into the apparent abduction of Miami Dolphins football team mascot, actual dolphin, Snowflake. As the plot unravels, Ace deduces by process of elimination that disgraced former Miami Dolphins kicker Ray Finkel is the dolphin napper and uncovers his motive for revenge against the team and its star player Dan Marino along with evidence linking Finkel to police lieutenant Lois Einhorn. In a tense finale, Ace lays out the whole diabolical plot. Ray Finkel underwent gender reassignment in order to assume the identity of missing hiker Lois Einhorn before joining and working her way up the ranks of Miami PD until she found herself in a position of power that would enable her to ingratiate herself to two hapless criminal thugs who, in exchange for their freedom from prison, could assist her in carrying a dolphin and a man back to her lair so what did you make of the movie yeah really it's obviously one of those films you always remember i like i've made a couple of notes it's obviously like classic peak jim carrey in my uh, opinion loads of slapstick comedy i like the car stunts as well I, I like the way he gets his car beaten up and then he rolls his car later on and obviously he's sliding into the car parking spaces and i like he kind of rips on bond a little bit when he does the um when oh two sacks doorbell's going on so unprofessional yeah the bit the bit where the doorbell goes is so james bond (laughs) (laughs) fucking hell money penny the bell's just gone (laughs) dhl oh okay oh i'll (laughs) sign yeah that's true though the car stunts are great obviously there's a more spectacular one in when nature calls when he rolls the car into the space but uh yeah they're great in this one very, very sorry. Yeah, I like the way they he kind of rips on Bond as well when they go to that party to finger that guy who <laughs> <laughs> who they suspect is uh, hiding Snowflake, uh, and he dresses sort of Bondish and and things like that. And he's a lawyer specialising in food poisoning. It's pretty pretty funny, I think. And then yeah, lots of endlessly quotable one-liners. Good film. Udo Kier, the the guy at the party. Did we all remember that Udo Kier was in this? No. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, ben, what did you make of the movie generally? Out of all the movies we've discussed so far, this one worried me the most because yeah. I think it was the it was the one I was closest to, uh, even though I hadn't seen it for about 10 years, perhaps even more. I thought the comedy stood up quite well, considering well, it's coming up to 30 years mm. old. But, you know, the trans jokes fell yeah. really out of place. Yeah. But something I, d- I didn't think I appreciated before that I, I really appreciate this time with the scenes with Jim Carrey and, and the animals. I think that was when you get to see s- some quite interesting moments and Ace's character come out rather than mm. just playing for the gags. You actually saw a gen- like a genuine bit of character, I thought, in those parts. Yeah, the one that always sticks in my mind is when he is very insulting to Courtney Cox's character, but then when she's gone, he talks to the dog. Yeah, and talks like, exa- that's exactly it. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, and you're ugly. <laughs> Fatty, saddlebags. Yeah, I think you can probably see already very early on. And obviously he had done the Deadpool, mm. which wasn't a comedy, but you could you could already kind of see the seeds of his dramatic career in there. Like he is a good actor. He's not just a yeah. slapstick, uh, what he's famous for. Well, something that really interested me as I was kind of reading around, reading up about Ace Ventura and, and trying to look for some stories for this, was uh, apparently Jim Carrey studied the movement of birds to use in his character of Ace Ventura, okay. which is why you see him moving like like he does. He bobs his head quite a lot. Bobs his head quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
And uh, Gaz, what did you make of the movie? Um, it was okay. The first of my six lines of notes that I've written says, there's <laughs> a big hit of n- nostalgia straight away with the, the feet walking towards the screen. I've written it's it's like a reverse version of the end credits of the bill. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't really. I enjoyed it. I did, but it didn't really make me laugh out loud. It was more so, oh yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. The, the one bit that made me laugh and is the only bit that my son watched is in the mental asylum, whatever it's supposed to be, when he does the yeah. football play in slow-mo. Um, and my my son was eating cereal at the time and he was proper like milk dropping out of his mouth and snorting. Um, still didn't make him want to watch the rest of the film. But... One of my favourite segments, uh, ad hoc segments of the podcast so far is finding out how long Dylan stuck with the film before he decided to leave. I think he's a good litmus <laughs> test, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he made it through one whole scene this time, as opposed to the half scene of gold. Half of the so first he's, he's scene. Getting better. Let's never forget <laughs> the film had just opened. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, you know, obviously it's dated with the trans... Mm-hmm. Um, discrimination and phobia. so forth. Phobia. Yes, right. pretty much. It's pretty out there, isn't it? But, you know, it's, it's okay. It's worth a watch. I read that Jim Carrey has quasi-defended that by saying that his aim was to make his reaction uh, to finding out that Einhorn was trans so over the top that nobody could mistake it for transphobia. They realised that it was just the joke is against the man, not the trans woman. But I don't believe that. I don't buy it. Nah, I don't buy that. I think yeah, that's and bullshit. I think when they reinforce it with everyone in the abandoned boathouse, I don't have got much of an argument the there. <laughs> and especially because they keep playing the crying yeah. game yeah. as well. It's like, for fuck's sake. Could we share favourite lines? Oh, yes, please do. Yeah, favourite lines. I had a few. Right. I think... Yeah, probably got the same as everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the Connery impression. Lovely party. Pity I wasn't invited. I thought that was brilliant. And the lip movement they does afterwards. Yeah, that was great. But I think my favourite, and this is, I think it's the delivery, I think is excellent. I'm looking for Ray Finkel, shotgun, and a clean pair of shorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. really good, actually. <laughs> Do you have a, a favourite line, Adam? I'm afraid it's going to be an obvious one. It's Ventura. Yes, Satan. Yeah, that's got to be my favourite. But there's a few others I, I kind of like. I kind of like, even though I find it's weird, where he just calls her ugly and a fatty in saddlebags. It's like, <laughs> yeah. why? It's but it's it's just one of the standout <laughs> lines, but it's kind of... Then when he's in the apartment of uh, Roger Pedactor and um, Einhorn turns up and he says, so, animals can sense evil. <laughs> uh, Gaz, did you have a favourite line? Well, I'm a fairly simple guy, so I just like things like, yes, Satan, and the, I can't do it because I'm tone deaf, but just the, the little singing noise he does opening and closing the screen door, ah, that genuinely makes me <laughs> creep. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's very good. Yeah, just, it's yeah. Good. <laughs> Funny noises, people falling over, that's all I need. I don't know about a favourite line, but there's a very intriguing line in that same scene. Given that this early in the movie, we're not supposed to know that Lois Einhorn is Ray Finkel. When Ace sees Einhorn, 
in that apartment. He looks down at her crutch and he shouts, Holy Testicle Tuesday! What does he mean by that? Yeah, I, I was confused by that this time. I wondered if mm, maybe they yeah. changed the edit at some point and he, maybe he knew then or I, I don't know. It's it's an incredibly confusing line. What did we think of Finkel's scheme, Adam? Well, I thought it was another sort of Goldfinger-esque, long time in the making, complex plot, to be honest. It says during the film that Finkel, I think it was roughly a sort of a 10-year timeline from when he did the the kick that was heard around the world, as they call it in the movie. Um, then he disappeared from a mental institution uh, about eight years previous. Um, and in that time, apparently he's had gender reassignment, uh, joined the Miami PD and risen to the rank of lieutenant, which is uh, quite something for somebody who's a missing hiker. So I, I, I thought it was, well, it's not beyond the realms of possibility but it's a bit of a stretch all right then ben what did you make of the scheme quite simply put three florets of broccoli <laughs> we've got a new low bar <laughs> yeah new low bar. <laughs> it's it's exactly one floret of broccoli less lower than goldfinger <laughs> but on a par with demolition man <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> well i don't think enough said you know you don't need to say anymore yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you want to say anything else? <laughs> uh, I, I agree with what Adam said. It's complex, convoluted. It's too long in the making. And as you'll see later on, I have uh, solved this once again with a, a foolproof plan. Wow. Look forward to that. Uh, Gareth, <laughs> what did you make of uh, Finkel slash Einhorn's plot? Similar to Turner and Steiner. It's, it's very long-winded, sort of vaguely non-secuitous. I just, I know it's a comedy film and so you wouldn't necessarily go into this sort of psychological depth, but would she not just have assumed a male identity if she could have instead of waiting the eight years? Or is that something in her psychological makeup that she wanted to transition anyway? That part I just find slightly confusing. But again, it's it's a knockabout comedy film taking the piss out of trans people. So it's, yeah. it's fine. Anything goes. <laughs> it's fine. This is the part of the show where our panel of peril compete for the title of this week's Most Diabolical, and with it, the honour of choosing next week's movie and hosting the show. Ray Finkel's goal was to enact revenge against the Miami Dolphins, and his plan was to hide his identity, retrain as a high-ranking police officer, in order to recruit criminal thugs to help kidnap a dolphin and an American football star. But the plan was unsuccessful. What would you have done differently? Well... As we all know, the uh, original plot is uh, centered around uh, gender reassignment and uh, basically transitioning to a lady to uh, fool everybody and to remain uh, incognito, as it were. Um, I've decided to stick with that kind of theme, but I think in a much more believable way. So um, we'll see how we go. <laughs> so Finkel obviously goes into, um, after his kick heard around the world, goes into hiding and plotting his revenge on Dan Marino. And um, in his uh, troubled uh, isolation, he comes across the services of a Dr. Biber, and he is also a renowned plastic surgeon. And he has had the experience of changing lots of people. And most recently, he changed a very small Jewish boy into a tall black basketball player. And 
had helped another gentleman um, also change his um, his gender. So, with the help of Doctor Biber, he becomes uh, a dolphin over a number of years, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and enlisting the help of the two thugs in the original movies, they exchange him and the place of him and Snowflake. So he is in the tank, <laughs> and one day. Dan Marino's there, and he's uh, he thinks, oh, you know what? I'll go and fill, feed a, a sardine to uh, old Snowflake, me old mate. So, um, so he does, and then, of course, this is the moment Ray Finkel's been waiting for. Uh, Marino sticks his hand over with a fish hanging up, and of course, Finkel jumps up, grabs him by the hand, and drags him in the in the in the pool, swims around with him a bit, and then basically kills him. And that's how he gets his revenge. Okay. Uh- <laughs> and nobody's any the wiser. And he's he's now a dolphin for the rest of his life. <laughs> and he's a dolphin, yeah. But he's happy. Okay. Um so is is Dr. Biber <laughs> mentioned in the movie? No. He's uh he's a he's a he's a character from South Park. <laughs> South Park, right, yeah. I was thinking, isn't this the plot of South Park? Yeah. I uh Yes. yes I got it, it when as soon as he said the little Jewish boy. Uh, yeah, go. yeah. I remember that part. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping. I was hoping that would throw a, throw a few uh, breadcrumbs to you. Does, uh, does the character? Does one of the characters in South Park also become a dolphin? Or if I, yeah. Yes, it, it is. Yeah, Gerald uh, Carl's dad <laughs> becomes a dolphin. That's precisely why it inspired me. Okie dokie. Well, thank you very much, Adam. Uh, now Ben. Okay, uh, like Adam, I will be sticking with the. Uh, with the whole taking another person's identity and uh, working my way up through the uh, the ranks of the police force. But I felt Einhorn's scheme didn't go far enough. See, the Dolphins don't win the Super Bowl. Big whoop. My scheme aims to take down the entire organisation. And as an added bonus, Dan Marino with it. After all, he was the one who couldn't hold the ball the right way. So first of all, as a police lieutenant or whatever the hell I am, I'd publicly announce a clampdown on white supremacy. We'd raid clan chapters, seizing offensive items from them, as well as from private collectors. It would be quite a high profile crackdown and the city would be abuzz with talk of it. With a number of white supremacists in custody, I'd start brokering deals on the down low, quid pro quo. In their interviews with officers... The racists would then start hinting at Mr. Big running things behind the scenes. But obviously they can't say too much for fear of reprisal. After some long, hard interrogation, two of them would crack. It's it's Dan Marino, they would cry. Dan Marino is the Grand Dragon. Then would become the fun part. Having access, easy access to Dan Marino's schedule, I'd pick a time when he's out of the house perhaps during a game, and send over a SWAT team. In the raid, led by me, my officers would discover a collection of Nazi memorabilia. Remember the goods I seized earlier? We'd have Marino locked up in hours. Of course, he'd plead his innocence, but we'd have witnesses who say different. It would be a media circus. After hours of borderline inhumane interrogation, the gravity of Marino's situation would be setting in, and he'd do anything to end this horror. That's when we'd tell him, we're after the organ grinder, not the monkey. We want the grand wizard. I don't know what you're talking about, he would protest. Then I'd slowly plant the seed that maybe the dolphin organisation led by owner Wayne Huzenga was to blame. I'd ask Marino to recall any instances of unsavoury behaviour, a comment, a decision that seemed unfair. In his desperation to exonerate himself, he'd start to come around to my way of thinking, hey, perhaps the dolphins planted the Nazi shit in your house as an insurance policy, I would hint. 
With his mind churning, I'd offer him a plea deal, testify that the organization is rife with racism, and we'd make sure he got off lightly. The damage to his reputation would have already been done in by then anyway. Another raid, this time on the Joe Robbie Stadium, and some more Nazi memorabilia, and bada bing, bada boom, the Miami Dolphins would be in tatters. I'd have my revenge, and would even be commended for my role in making Miami a better place. All right, thank you very much, Ben. And Gaz, your scheme, please. Well... My plan is different. It's simultaneously far less complicated and slightly complex. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite statistic heavy is the only thing. The statistics are the thing here that make it complex. The means for ruining Dan Marino and the team are simple. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so in 1983... The year of Finkel's botched kick at Super Bowl 17, the average NFL player's salary was around $130,000. If they invested every penny of that salary for their single year of playing for the Miami Dolphins, by 1994, they would have nearly $1 million. I've Googled it. It's fine. It works out. In 1994... The cost of a TV spot during the Super Bowl would set you back around $900,000, leaving you with a decent hundred grand's worth of wiggle room for your shoot, edit, etc. of your TV spot. It therefore, being well within the realms of the now Einhorn's financial situation, I propose a gentler solution to Einhorn's vendetta against Dan Marino, Snowflake the Dolphin and the Miami Dolphin football team. There's no need for murder. Peace and love. Peace and love. You buy a TV spot. You put your case forwards. The laces were in. The ball cannot travel in the correct line when the laces are in. Marino borderline intentionally caused your kick to miss. By not taking responsibility for his actions, Dan Marino has caused great mental distress slash illness to the point where you had a projector in your childhood bedroom replaying the footage over and over again. Viewing figures for the 1994 edition of the Super Bowl hovered around a cool 90 million. What better way to enact revenge or comeuppance, if you rather, on Dan Marino than to turn over a third of the country's opinion against him? People would throw tomatoes at him on the street. They would surely daub his car with sexually explicit graffiti and ensure that Einhorn would be remembered as the hero of their entwined story. Not simply justice, something I call ultimate justice. Fuck Dan Marino and I rest my case. Throw tomatoes at him on the street. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you got any tomatoes? There's Dan Marino. <laughs> and they're sure to inscribe sexually explicit graffiti on the car. <laughs> mum, mum, I'm just popping down the shops. Well, make sure you take your tomatoes in case you bump into Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It'd be in the Constitution. <laughs> the, like, what, 51st Amendment or something like that? <laughs> okay, so remember, what's at stake is the uh, opportunity to choose next week's movie and host the show. There's some absolutely diabolical schemes there, but there can be only one winner. So uh, just to address uh, your plans and and what I made of them, being that three of the four of us have now had a chance to choose the movie and host, I'm going to give a little bit of extra weight to to Adam in the hope that uh, I'll be able to choose him. So with that in mind... It's the sympathy uh, vote, essentially. With that in mind... Yeah, sympathy vote. Default. 
default. I, I, I fully reject. <laughs> I fully reject that. Two greatest words in English language. <laughs> With that in mind, um, I've decided that Adam uh, is disqualified for stealing a plot <laughs> from someone. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. <laughs> Screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> ben, I, um, I've made some notes on, on your thing. I think uh, my my main issue with it is that I'm 90% sure that white supremacy not only is not illegal in the USA, but it's quite encouraged. I think it's, if anything, it's having a, a golden era. Yeah, but but we're in, we're in 2022 now. This was back in 1994. It's a time of... Uh ideals and morals i still don't think officially announced a clampdown (laughs) as my role as lieutenant a a, a clampdown is is one thing but i don't think that you you're still not allowed to arrest people for having nazi memorabilia so i I think that plan falls apart there with that in mind i am going to declare this week's winner gaz Uh, i think uh, his plan is sound and it's really good i think it would work actually a lot better than the plan in the movie because you know nobody's gonna know the truth in the actual movie uh marino's death and snowflake's death doesn't tell the world that ray finkel was was right all along whereas an ad in super bowl showing that the laces were indeed in would ruin marino's reputation but also bolster finkel's so for that reason uh, he's a worthy winner so, with that in mind, Gaz, what movie have you picked for us to review next time? Well, I've got a long, long list, but I've decided to go with something a lot more modern than the films that we've covered so far. I've also gone for a different genre, my favourite genre, horror. We're doing a lovely horror film. The film was made, in, or released, I should say, in 2017. It's Jordan Peele's directorial debut. We're watching Get Out. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've never seen that. Tis good, tis good. So have fun with that plan. (laughs) Yeah, I have seen it out and it's quite the elaborate plan. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. If you didn't enjoy this episode, just keep it to yourself. No one gives a shit what you think. Why are you you going around telling people? Why are you bad-mouthing? People, this is is something we enjoy. Just keep it to yourself, fuck. To catch all the latest from the Diabolical Podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, maybe, and on Twitter. Just, I, I don't know, have a look. We might be on there. And join us next week when we'll be diving into the murky world of Get Out.